All right, you guys ready to start? Mm-hmm. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And in astronomy, there are occasional cosmic events in which it appears as if all the planets are in alignment. Just last month on June 24th, visible to the naked eye between the hours of 3 and 5 a.m., you can make out the hot rock Mercury, Venus, the morning star, Mars, the red god of war, Jupiter, a planet that if only 80 times bigger, it would be dense enough to fuse hydrogen atoms into helium and shine by its own light, and Saturn, the jewel of the solar system. This event, known as a planetary conjunction, won't happen again until 2040. But who gives a fuck about a bunch of dumbass dots in the sky? The study of space and astronomy is literally a CIA psychological operation designed to keep you, the general public, in the dark about the real planetary conjunction going on right now, this month, today. It is our very own Sam Deegan's birthday, the great Italian filmmaker Mario Bava's birthday, and the one-year anniversary of this dinky podcast being a thing. So to celebrate, we bake this up a little cake. Unfortunately, that cake is actually a severed head wrapped in squid tentacles floating out in the middle of Mario Bava's 1971 Bay of Blood. Twitch of the Death Nerve. The first motion picture to require face-to-face warning. Every ticket holder must pass through the theater's final warning station. We must warn you face-to-face. Warning. Are you aware that Twitch of the Death Nerve contains scenes which may be the stimulus that initiates psychological shock? Warning. During scenes of intense shock, do not attempt to leave your seat. If necessary, close your eyes, but remain seated until you have regained your composure. Warning. There are 13 periods of intense shock. Do not subject yourself to more than one strong reaction. Warning. Diabolical, fiendish, savage. You may not walk away from this one. <laughs> Floating rocks in space. Who's who? The fuck believes in dumb shit like it's, that. It's all Floating rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Hook, line, and sinker. This whole fucking world just took it all in. Okay. Before we get into our uh, broader discussion on Jalos and slashers and the legacy of Bay of Blood, let's first take a look at the trailblazing cinematic titan that is Mario Bava. He's someone who is often spoken about in the same breath as Dario Argento or Lucio Fulci. Great directors both, no no shade intended here, but to me, Bava is someone who I would place alongside Hitchcock or Kurosawa or even the great Zack Snyder. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> That's off. a joke. Christ. But I, I mean, what I mean to say is that discussing someone like Bava, it's like discussing Beethoven. I mean, I feel completely out of my depth and I don't want to screw this up, so I'm going to shut up and let the grown-ups talk for a minute. Sam, who is Mario Bava and how did he get his start? Mario Bava is one of a handful of genius Italian filmmakers working in the 60s and 70s, got his start earlier than that. And 
He's somebody who I think is incredible because he really worked his way from the ground up. Like in the late 30s, he started out basically like designing title cards and doing some assistant work within short time throughout the 50s, worked predominantly as a cinematographer and assistant director and started kind of like secretly unofficially co-directing other movies which we'll I'm sure talk about like some of Ricardo Fredo's films and he to me what makes him so incredible is people often talk about this idea of like the workhorse director where somebody takes on these for hire projects that aren't you know stylized and it means you don't have a vision or a strong genius talent of your own but with Bava, that's not the case at all. He he basically took over some of these projects and put so much of his own vision into them. And also, it's like impossible to do one episode summarizing Bava because he worked in so many subgenres. Yeah, he, he pretty much invented subgenres. Yeah. And then when he would invent them, it's like he would get tired of that formula and would go on to the next big thing. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of directors like like Argento, for example, the guy made a Giallo film. Well, he saw Bava's first two Giallo yeah, films he, and was like, this is for me. Yeah. And that's <laughs> just that's what he's done forever. You know, like very few of his films have ever strayed outside of that genre and like he fought, he's got a new one out now, you know. He's still right. making giallos. Even like his non giallo, like Suspiria has giallo. You have like the black gloved killer murdering people. Totally, in there. and that's like his supernatural movie with yeah. all the great gel lighting yes. that he, you know, yeah, lifted I, from Baba. And it's funny, yeah. Like you mentioned gel lighting. I feel like if Baba had made like five more movies, I know he made 150,000, but if he made five more movies, we wouldn't even say the words gel lighting. We would say Bava lighting. Some of us do. Yeah, this, this Bava <laughs> lighting, it's, it's, it's in the DNA. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying where he was someone, and, and the reason why he is like a fucking, just a god, a titan, is because he would he would make a, he would change the fucking game for a genre or make a new subgenre, which we're going to get into today with Bay of Blood. And then, then the world would blow up in that feel that would just be like all these movies would start coming out from that. And then he's already making crazy. He's making a Euro spy movie next. And he's like paving the way for how these like, you know, spy parodies can be outside of a James Bond. I mean, he's all over the place. Well, he takes these like job for hires and makes them his own. Which I think is, just shows like how great you are. For sure. Like it, there's so few filmmakers who have that vibe where they're an auteur, but they're also just like pumping shit out. Yeah. You know, journeyman. Like, exactly. Like every fucking auteur is like every three years, I'm going to make the greatest film of all time, you know? Right. And like you have to, it's like this huge thing. Whereas fucking Bava, it's like, no, I'm making a goddamn Hercules movie now and it's going to be fucking sick, you know? And like, Everything he puts out, even if it's like a, a a blob knockoff or a giant monster like kaiju-esque film with Kaltiki, it's... Which technically is Ricardo Freda's film, but it's like you can see that yeah, Freda was like, why did I get hired to do this? Right. Bava was like, whoa, I know why we got hired. Yeah, I, th I think there's like a few of those where like the director left after a week and Bava took over. And, and, and usually you would think of that as like something that dipshits like Ron Howard do. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not something that you would think of as one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, that, that that's their bread and butter. But it is. And it's it's so awesome. And it's, I mean, it's the kind of shit that, like, fucking is, like, my lifeblood, you know? A great fucking director making movies that people like us like, you know? I mean, I think it's also just sort of in his blood. He was raised by this really like pioneering special effects wizard, Eugenio Bava, who is also an artist and a cinematographer. So he grew up, I think, in this family where he, even though, you know, I said he started from the ground up working at Chinachita and other main studios in Italy, like he still, I think, came from such a creative family where there were all these generations of artists that it's like you can't, stamp that out by giving him a few work for hire projects yeah sometimes i wonder if he just did like most of these movies just to be able to play with like matte paintings and miniatures and like yeah. oh let me see what i can do with the zoom lens you yeah, know it's it's clearly someone who loves every single aspect of filmmaking you know like from to the, the, the title cards that come up to everything the fucking miniatures that are in some of these fucking movies and it's yeah, he's he's a fucking an absolute G. Is it true that his dad was the one that designed the face of the old lady in Black Sabbath, the dead old lady? That's what I've heard. I think he also took some inspiration from his dad for some of the practical effects in Black Sunday, where there's that shit in the coffin where she's like coming back to life and her flesh is growing on yeah. her bones. There's also similar effects in Kaltiki. So I, I think, you know, the old man gave him some, uh, what some was help your, there. What was your first Bava movie? What was your introduction to him? Do you remember? I do. Um, I was a little kid. My uncles, who are like, they grew up in Texas, so they saw a lot of drive-in movies. So Planet of the Vampires was like a movie oh. that, like they loved. And I remember watching it as a kid. But like the one, the first one where I was like, I knew who Mario Bava is, or I found out who he is, I should start watching his movies, was Blood and Black Lace. Suddenly, these lace curtains ignite a drama that will lacerate your emotions. Blood and Black Lace. Who is this shrouded, sadistic, sordid fiend who maims and murders? Why this bloodthirsty orgy, this holocaust of lives in bleeding color? Blood and Black Lace. I think for me it was Black Sunday. I, I know I definitely started watching some of his black and white films before I moved on to the color films. And that crossover for him comes pretty early in the 60s. Like The Girl Who Knew Too Much, which some people say is the first Jalo movie, that's 63. And that's black and white, which I think makes it feel not like the kind of Jalo you're used to seeing. But... Black Sunday, I mean, you know, we, I, I say this in almost every episode, like we're going to have to do more episodes on blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in this case, I think it's true because Baba just has so many incredibly influential movies and like Black Sunday, 1960 is this like wild year where a handful of super revolutionary movies came out in different countries that changed the face of genre cinema like psycho uh in the u.s black sunday totally kicked off almost a decade-long run of black and white italian gothic horror movies and it's like he made a couple of them and was like okay now i'm gonna make this whole 
new thing called the Jalo. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm going to do one or two of those and then I'm going to move on again. And and for and for our audience, I just wanted to find some terms. So Jalo means Italian horror. Oh my god. Any, any Italian horror film oh is a Jalo. If you see a movie and it's oh Italian and it's that's what a Jalo is. That's what Jalo means. I will permanently injure you. Uh so what Jalo actually means is yellow. And I'm sure almost everyone listening to the podcast knows this, so I'm going to try to do the auctioneer 60-second version. It refers to a series of pulp paperbacks with yellow covers. They're murder mysteries, super pulpy, lots of sex and violence, and definitely descended from noir-type detective novels. And the movies are also very Agatha Christie-influenced, which I think, even though Bay of Blood is not a giallo, it has that same type of, you know, all the characters are not very nice people, and they are, many of them are revealed to have their own, you know, tricks up their sleeve and motivations, and everybody's super selfish, and... Yeah, just... I feel like I might be getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but one of the things about Bay of Blood that I think is the reason why I just like loved it so much off the bat was because I went into it knowing that Mario Bava was the like originator of the Giallo film. And I was like, okay. And, I'm, and for the record, I am not the biggest Giallo fan. Uh, I mean, not nearly as much as like my peers, obviously, who fucking love the Giallo. I don't. I, I'm I'm waiting Which for is the wild. day. I'm waiting. I, I know there's going to be a day where it all just fucking hits me. Like I've never seen a bunch of them, like House with Laughing Windows or whatever the fuck. You know, like I, one of these days I'm going to see one and it's going to be the Rosetta Stone and I'm going to be a Jalo guy. But I went into Bay of Blood, like ready to watch this Jalo film, and I was fucking like, okay, we're I'm doing my duty here. I'm watching a Jalo film by you know the old man Mario Bava. And lo and behold, it's a fucking dirty slasher movie. It's a fucking titties out, knife in the chest, knife in the face slasher flick, like from top to bottom. And and it's like, holy shit, this guy didn't just fucking like come up with or make the first Jalo movie. He's fucking pioneering slasher films, which is it's wild to me that like you have this idea of somebody and you think that like, OK, it's you know, you're you're. You have to see these movies because you like film. And then when you watch them, you're like, oh, this is a this is a dirty fucking movie I watch on a Friday night. Like, it's like a summer slasher flick that you would see at the theaters. And it's I mean, he in a two year period in 1970 and 71, which is when the major. So Jalo movies, even though like. I mentioned The Girl Who Knew Too Much, which to me, it feels like a proto-Jalo murder mystery. John Saxon is in it. He's wonderful. It's his most Hitchcock movie. Totally. It feels more like that sort of thriller than it does like the Jalo movies to come. So I think Blood and Black Lace is the first true Jalo. It's in color. It has all these gorgeous stylized sequences it's you know set in in the city in this fashion house which like that sense of visual style is really important to the subgenre but as a genre it doesn't start going until 70 and 71 and 72 which is like the big boom five years after he's already making giallo movies and so what he does in response 
is he makes a couple movies in 70 and 71, Five Dolls for an August Moon, Hatchet for the Honeymoon, and Bay of Blood. And it's like they're all riffs on the giallo that do a whole different thing. Yeah, it's funny. He's doing stuff that uh, Argento would eventually do in the 80s, where it's like the, the giallo genre has almost run its course, and now he's riffing with it and fucking around with the genre. Like, not doing parody... Well, but, sort of so, doing but sort of do, yeah, five dollars for the line five dollars for, sure. for an August moon. I think you could argue is a Jalo parody, which is like it's so funny that he was that far ahead of the fucking game that he was already, you know, playing with the the genre before so many of like the quote unquote greats had come out. That's that's how he did. Yeah, he was ahead of the game by a long shot forever. I mean, like Black Sunday. That's well, I guess there's Freda films, but like... But he also like co-directed right. I Vampiri, which is like the first real Italian gothic horror film. And he was a cinematographer and got an unofficial co-directing credit. And it's like, okay, <laughs> we Black see Sundays, you. like just knocks it out of the park from the get-go. It's perfect. Yeah. It's such a... Yeah. It's, it's one of those movies I have to return to every October. October. I was going to say, that's that's such an October movie. And, like, I can't pick... It's funny, because I can pick my favorite Fulci movie. I can pick my favorite Argento movie. But Bava, it's harder. And, like, I want to say it's Black Sunday. But for me, for years, I always said it was was Black Sabbath. Because that was my first one. And that was the, the first time I saw a Bava film. And I realized that this shit's fucking kind of scary. Like, he, oh, he, he yeah. knows horror. Like, not just the subgenres and like all the pretty lighting and the setups and the like but making you scared getting under your fucking skin that old lady in drop of water is fucking it's horrifying so scary so fucking scary and even the fucking the first story with the girls on the phone and the like the fucking creepy guy or no no spoilers yeah. no spoilers it, yeah. we are going to do bay of Bo- bay of blood spoilers though oh yeah 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 it's it's the phone is the first one in the American cut or the Italian cut? The Italian the cut. The Italian cut. That's yeah, yeah. Right. Which I I, remember I got into a fight with someone because I didn't realize there was two cuts of the movie. And someone was telling me, oh, yeah, the first one with the, uh, the was it the, the scary lady or the Wardalock? I, I think it's Drop of Water is the first one. Yeah, I think yeah. the Wardalock's the, the second one in both of them. Okay, yeah, okay. So it's okay. The, it's the middle, and then he comes back at the end in the American version there's that scene of Boris Karloff on the horse and he like laughs and lets you know, like, don't be scared, kids. Your Uncle Boris is here. Ladies and gentlemen, how do you do? This is Black Sabbath. You are about to see three tales of terror and the supernatural. I do hope you haven't come alone. When Roger Corman makes a weird decision to change something, a lot of times I'm like, all right, good fucking call, asshole producer, man. Like, you fucking are, you're right. That was better. But this is one of the instances where for sure I 100% prefer the Italian flow of the lineup for for Black Sabbath. I really do. Not Not to get too off topic, but I didn't know this until recently that like Roger Corman got a Shaw Brothers movie re-edited it and then Shaw Brothers refused to put a movie in the United States for like seven or eight yep. years. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. Did they did not take kindly to that. that but AIP did that with so many Bava films where they're, some of them are 
slightly re-edited. They all have different titles that have nothing to do with the original Italian title. And a lot of the time they have totally different scores. Yeah, Les Baxter. Yeah, Yeah. which like the Les Baxter scores are fine, but I don't hate them. But at the same time, it's like, why why do all of this? Don't fuck with something when it's so perfect, you know? It's rude. Originally... I don't know how true this is. I've learned this from the internet. Take this from a grain of salt or with a grain of salt. But Bava was going to make the Dunwich Horror for AIP in like the late 60s. But I think it was Blood and Black Lace didn't do too well in the box office over here. So they dropped the plan. But like a Dunwich Horror, Mario Bava, AIP, oh late 60s. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We lost something. We lost something. That would have been so sick. Oh, my God. I feel like maybe Roger Corman saw some of Baba's movies and felt like his Edgar Allan Poe gothic car adaptations wouldn't be able to compete. And so he was like, no, never mind. No money for you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I kind of want to pull things back to uh, the genre more broadly that Bay of Blood kind of trailblazed, that paved the way for and I'm talking about slasher films, and especially slasher films that have this certain setting that is, it's, it's weird that this is a trope, and I think it's a trope because of Bay of Blood. The setting is by water. It's at a lake. It's at the fucking ocean house. There's so many slasher movies that have this setting, and I think it's because of the DNA that was baked into bay of blood like its influence is so pervasive that like when you like think like oh okay make a slash movie where should i put it like buy some water you know because like that you know just like yeah you're you're isolated too and your back's against the wall you know you got a big thing of water you can't run anywhere exactly you're yeah totally yeah there's a a wall built into the plot line where where you you can't you can't go wow i never thought about that yeah it's smart (laughs) it's also totally my comment earlier about how I think a lot of these movies reference Agatha Christie and we're super influenced by her. It, I mean, Baba's $5 for an August moon is a almost direct adaptation. Well, not direct, but it's an adaptation of Agatha Christie's. And then there were none, which it's, it's the same sort of thing where it's like all of these strangers go to this remote Island and it's a slasher movie. Somebody starts killing them off one at a time and they can't escape because they have to wait for this fucking boat to bring them back to the mainland. And it's, it's like a perfect way to trap people. But also I think in the case of like Bay of blood or even the later slasher movies to follow, it's like people are on summer vacation. They're off their guard. They don't expect to be, you yeah. know, murdered by some unknown psychopath. Oh, yeah. Five Dolls of an August Night. Is that the one there where, like, the industrialist blueprints are, like, the, yeah. the MacGuffin? Yeah. It's been a while since I've yeah, seen that one. Yeah, it's fun. We watched that last year on your birthday, and it was fucking sick. I remember, like, there's silly music every time they put another body every in the Every time. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one that, like... It's it's funny because we were talking about how earlier when you were saying it's like impossible for you to pick a favorite, I feel the same way. I have no idea what I would even say, but it's also really hard to pick a movie that represents Bava to do a podcast episode on 
because oh, like yeah. he's so all over the place but i think bay of blood is also really not representative of his style at all no but it's, but, but it's in so a way, crazy for that very reason it is representative of a style yeah. because he is he has so many different areas that he pulls from and it's nice how i made that joke earlier about if he had made five more movies they call him baba lighting not gel lighting this is one that doesn't really fucking use that shit so much it doesn't need to it almost doesn't use it at all yeah i mean maybe in like the first scene when they're set in the mood in that like you know oh, the kind more of gothic like house gothic. yeah that's the most bava scene in the whole movie for sure for sure and then after that it's just a fucking dirty slasher yeah, flick yeah. you know and, and all the characters that are in bay of blood are the kinds of characters like they're not really the kind of characters that you would expect to find in a lot of slasher movies save for the like four horny teens who just like show up and get diced up early in the flick wonderful stuff yeah yeah that, that that's like to me is like that is him setting the table of what's to come for 20 years for like nasty horror movies in the u.s especially but all of the characters they have like a fortune teller lady they have this entomologist guy so the fortune teller lady is played by an actress called laura betty who is this really important figure in italian cinema history great friends with pasolini but Baba had such a great time working with her that the impetus for this project was he just they just wanted wow. to work together. That's again. awesome. Apparently, she does the um, she does Reagan's voice in The Exorcist, the yes. Italian cut. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> but, and she's in Hatchet for the Honeymoon too. She she's great. Yo, real quick, we got to talk about how fucking good the titles are to Baba films. Every fucking one is an absolute yeah. banger. Mask it's, of Satan. It's yeah. incredible. And not just... But, like, why would you re... And, and this... I totally agree with you. And this is also going back to my point earlier about, like, why would AIP change all these things? Like, Mask of Satan is the best title ever. Yeah. Why would you, like, water it down and rename it Black Sunday? Yeah. Like... Uh, yeah. But then again, it's just like... I, I love both of them. I mean, Mask of Satan's great, but like Black Sunday to me, like that's the title. That's what I think of it as. Yeah. Same same thing with Black Sabbath. It's Black Sabbath. And what is it? Like Three Faces of Fear? Yeah. 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 That's where the band got their name from. I mean, Black Sabbath is a sick title. Right. But like they were just like rehearsing one day and that was playing across the street. I think like, it's really you know, fucking sick. corny for groups to name their shit off of alternate titles to Baba films. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. But it's so lame. Sabbath are posters. Yeah. Bay Didn't do Blood anything for music. Has, <laughs> has great uh, alternate titles. That like, like bloodbath bloodbath carnage the, and the trailer for carnage is so cool it's, like it's I remember the, the first time i saw a trailer for carnage it was at an exhumed film screening and i looked at you john i was like holy shit that movie looks sick we got to watch that and then you were like we watched it last week it's bay of blood <laughs> <laughs> and then then what's the there's like another one oh ecology of crime isn't there like another weird well, fucking that so ecology of crime Ecologia del Delito. It's like the original Italian title. Okay. And then, yeah, this movie, I was reading somewhere that it has the most number of alternate titles of any movie. <laughs> I don't believe that. Which, I, I do too. <laughs> no way. It's, I mean, it might be true, but. And Chain Reactions. Well, because, one. because they renamed the Italian title. So Reazione a Catena is 
what you see like on some of the Italian posters, that's chain reaction. But like the fact that there are two Italian titles, it's just yeah. dizzying. Chain reaction, I think, is like the most like accurate title. Yes. In a way. Yeah. So that's what's so great about this fucking movie. And we were saying this earlier about how with his later Giallo films, how he wasn't exactly doing parody but you can argue in a way that he was doing parody that he's like walking the line of like playing with these tropes that are already established this movie it fucking does that with slashers and it almost feels like the first slasher movie and it almost feels like the first movie to know what to slash and to fuck around with it because it has the most ingenious and silly and loose kind of plot structure where in a giallo in a classic mystery and even most slashers the question is is like all right who's the scream killer you know is it fucking nev campbell's boyfriend is it the fucking the the cotton fucking secretly the second detective exactly like that is the impetus for every slasher movie and giallo film is like who's the killer and in Bay of Blood, it opens with this incredible fucking kill scene. Oh, it's yeah. Like, lots of spoilers to come. Yeah. Watch the fucking movie. It, watch it, it. It's so wild that I'm surprised it hasn't been ripped off. The whole, like, yeah. this person killed somebody, but then they get knocked off. Yeah. Like, I feel like it has because there's some wild later 80s slashers that start to play with the genre conventions where I think you see things where it's somebody gets killed and then you see that person or somebody kills someone and then you see that person getting killed and you're like, wait yeah, it's a minute. Like, it's like fucking Richard Linklater slacker, but like also with <laughs> I Know What You Did Last Summer going on. But the intro, the first kill scene with this fucking old lady in a wheelchair. The Countess. The Countess. And she's like, you know, rolling around her fucking house. Lightning might be flashing. I might be adding that in my head and in my it's, mind. It's palace. the, like you were saying earlier, it's the only like truly gothic Bava yeah, it's, scene. It's fucking Bava to its core. And then out of nowhere, you get this black gloved hand, classic fucking Jalo shit with a noose goes right around the old lady's neck and then he kicks the wheelchair out from under her like fucking Friday the 13th kill wheelchair dead and she falls down and she's just like so close to the ground she could stand up if her legs weren't fucking dumb and she's just choking out and dying with her face super close to the camera it's nasty and then they, they get that close up that extreme close up that you fucking love to see of the black gloves you know fucking jolly capital G Jalo shit and then the camera starts panning up and you're like immediately like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. like whoa don't show us the killer what's yet. going on here slow what are your you roll doing? you know and they go right up and you just see this fucking guy's face the killer in the fucking beginning of the movie and you're like what the fuck are we doing here like who we soon learn is her husband yeah yeah, there's there's a whole real plot going on in this film. But well, like, sort of. But at this point, you're just like, fuck, man. They just you just spilled the beans. Like in the fucking beginning, what are you doing here? And as the film plays out, it's like every everyone's the fucking killer. And like that guy, the the next second, someone stabs him and starts fucking murking him. And like there's another killer, and it's just like it keeps playing with this, but it doesn't. It doesn't make you laugh. Like, they're not doing it as, as a fucking joke. Well, it's nasty. Yeah, it's, it's fucking, yeah, it's not funny. But when you think about it, it's really funny, which is 
like like that to me is like the perfect kind of parody almost. And, and it sets it's, the tone of the movie. Like oh yeah, domino effect. You know, it's like it's a bunch of greedy evil people are just gonna keep wiping each other out. Which like I think we should we should put like a bunch of rich people on an island and give them like a reason to like start stabbing. Oh each my other. god. Yeah, make, wouldn't that be great? Make five dolls for an August moon for real. Yeah, right. just the entirety of Long Island. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I've seen this movie like five or six times, and I always remember the opening, and I remember the death scenes, and I remember the ending, but I always forget like who kills who again. Like as yeah, I watch yeah. it, it comes yeah. back to me. But as I rewatched it this time, I watched it last night, and I could be seeing too much of this i'm not sure if this is deliberate and i was really high but (laughs) but i think this is genius the movie opens with a shot of the bay and then it 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 cuts to the countess's mansion or whatever you go manor or whatever but it starts on her wheelchair uh the the wheel yeah and you know how like all wheels like your wheel on your bike you see all these lines all these bars that zigzag over each other i was like oh wow that's like the whole movie right there it's because all these people have like they like plot to kill each other they backstab each other they blackmail each other it's just zigzag of shit and i wonder if it was deliberate or i'm just like was like totally totally. i just totally hit that bowl way too hard i could see it being deliberate for sure right after that first fucking death scene there's these uh two men sitting either like by a dock or like on a or near a boat or maybe they're in a boat i i, I forget i just they're, watched they're it. by the water they're by it's the one, water the one the, guy, the guy is the in a boat yeah yes. yeah and who this- is um our favorite's brother um who investigation of citizen above suspicion oh um, yes 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 Luigi it's, uh, no jean marie volante john maria volante yes yes i knew i was gonna say it's claudio name. volante yeah he plays wow. he did not have such a successful career as no but he he's great in he's this so like good in, in this, this role he's one of the few you actually kind of have sympathy for like even though he's a killer too but wait for, is he the he's the entomologist no no, no he's no, the squid the, guy, squid guy. Yeah. so he's the he's the countess's illegitimate son who she hid away for his entire life and he basically lives in this shack on the bay and like hunts squid in the bay for like for his dinner i'm gonna be real with you guys i've seen this movie like four or five times maybe any time that they start talking about the plot about like who's related to who and why they're doing what they're doing my brain just starts playing like an old timey piano riff and like, I'm still like, I'm not saying I'm not enjoying the movie. I love it. I love all of it. But like when they start actually explaining this stuff, it's like, I gotta be real. It doesn't matter. They're, to me, they're all just like rich fucks, like gunning for each other. And like, I get the vibe and I, the soap opera aspect of that. I like, I never quite, grasp when i'm watching it because it's it's but so they're not so the basically what the plot is is there's this old really really rich woman this countess that we mentioned who gets murdered in the beginning who owns this entire bay and in the style of many agatha christie books having a lot of money makes you a target and basically all of the other people are not rich, but very much want to be. And so they're all these like sort of blue collar, maybe some of them are middle class and they're sometimes teamed up with each other, but it's like they turn murder for profit into this like competitive sport and they all try to outdo each other. And 
It's wild. Oh my god. And like the fucking kills. I mean, this is this is why I like slasher movies. I mean, they're not it's not my favorite subgenre. Like once you've seen a few, it's like, okay. They're uh, so fun though. They, they they're comfort are. food for yeah, me. Yeah, summertime for sure. especially yeah, for me. This, this time of year to me, like that's why I think doing this episode is perfect. Because uh, we were talking about this in our last bonus episode. What a fucking a summer movie to me is now that like I'm thinking about it. It's a slasher movie, you know. It's a fucking summer camp murder flick, you know, with titties and fucking people running around and like and wild gore effects. Okay, I got a question, and this is so funny that like I, I like how you know I like to pretend I like to cosplay as someone who sticks his pinky in the air when I'm drinking tea, but like. Uh, I got to ask you guys a real base-ass question here. What's your favorite kill scene in this flick? I know the answer to mine, but... You want to buy time for John? You got, no, you got, I, you got, I got one. All right, John. Okay, let, you, let, go let, let, you go first. My, I think it's the nasty one. I think it's when uh, Luigi Pastilli kills Squid Guy. Oh, yeah. That's like the most mean... How's, spe- how's that one go down well, he, again? He spears, he spears him. him, but it comes out of nowhere. It's just like the guy like walks out, and then all of a sudden he, he spears oh, yeah. him, and he's spitting up blood, and it gets on his hands. Yeah, that one's mean. Yeah. Yeah, and he has like his lady Macbeth behind him yeah. being like, was, uh, egging yeah. him on. Yeah, that oh, one's Oh, yeah, mean. no, that one's good. That's a really good one. Yeah, Luigi Pastilli is one of my favorite Italian character actors. He... I mean, I think some of you will recognize him from Spaghetti Westerns. He's oh, in other, he's, yeah. Oh, that guy. Other Jalo oh, movies. Yeah. He looks like a fucking Spaghetti Western dude. He's got like this a, rough a ass face, like yeah. a leather jacket. Yes. You know what's funny? I always because I've seen him in a million things, and I always expect him to be in Fulci movies because he looks like the type of guy that would be like one of the locals and like totally. don't torture yeah. a duckling. Yeah, he looks like the guy who hell. kills Bob in Gates of yes, Hell. Almost. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right, my favorite scene before before you get to yours, because I know what yours is, and yours is the fucking the the real. Mine's the goat. Yeah, yours is the goat, but mine. Eh, this is so funny. What I'm saying, why is this a fucking base ass question? Mine is that fucking machete to the face. Oh, I think it's like the second or third one, or it's the it's the one right after the kids, or is it one of the kids? It's it's the first one of the kids. Oh my god, the first one of the teenagers who gets it. No, Wait, it's no, not no, after the lady. It's, it's after, after, after the, oh, the titty sorry. girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's wearing the after yeah. after the uh, the German or, or the Norse Viking lady she, with yeah, the. She she's her. German, but I think they mistakenly call her a all Viking. kinds of yeah, Nordic. Yeah, they're the classic kind of uh, prejudice that only Europeans can really bank on. Four months ago, I was at the Alamo in Texas, and they always have like "Don't talk, don't text, or this will happen to you." Yeah, yeah. And they change it like almost every time. Well, they had that machete to the oh face scene from Bay of Blood, and the audience reacted to it. Yeah. People were like holy shit like it's awesome <laughs> it's so good like the the only other machete to the face that i think compares is tom savini's great work in dawn of the dead there's yeah. there's a machete to the face in that flick that i think is like spot on the same style of effect i think they were done in the same way but in bay of blood that scene like to me it's just like that's quintessential slasher kill shit that the U.S. wasn't fucking doing until the 80s. Yeah. Hey, kids, how would you like to hear this on the screen instead of the great show you came to see? That's what you sound like. Honest. Please cooperate and do your part in keeping this theater quiet so everyone, including you, can enjoy it. I remember lots of adults and kids, too, paid admission to enjoy the show. 
we must insist on absolute quiet. Otherwise, we will be forced to evict all disturbance makers from the theater. Those asked to leave today will be refused admission to this theater in the future. Thank you. Before we talk about my favorite kill, the, the reason for that is Carlo Rambaldi, who's the effects guy, he would go on, or actually right around that time in the 70s and into the early 80s, he was doing effects in Hollywood movies. He was so popular. He got called over from working with Fulci and Bava to do effects for E.T. and Alien and wow. went on working with, uh, or went on to work with Andrzej Zhuavsky for Possession. So this... I, I don't think th I think the squid is actually a real dead squid here, but I would oh, like yeah. to say this is his first octopus movie. Hey, no spoilers. I haven't seen Possession. Oh, yet. sorry. <laughs> All right, Sam, what's okay. your favorite fucking kill in Bay of Blood? So it's it's impossible for me to believe that somebody who listens to our podcast wouldn't have seen Bay of Blood. But if you haven't, pause the podcast and watch the movie and then you can come back and hear me talk about my favorite scene which is the ending when finally after all of this like plotting and cavorting and total just like nihilism and nastiness back and forth Renata and Alberto who are played by Claudine Auger, Bond Girl and Luigi Pastilli, when they finally kill everybody else and they're like the, the you know, battle royale bay victors at the end of the night, the sun's coming up, they're happy they're going to be rich as fuck and own this whole bay. Yeah, they just won WrestleMania. They know? did. And they go back to the camper where their two children are waiting for them. Their, their kids are probably like six and eight. One of their kids, if you're a fan of Italian horror, you definitely recognize her. Uh, from Nicoletta Elmi. From the Beyond? She's not in uh, the Beyond. Demons? She's in, Deep Red? Yep, and Deep Red, she kills a lizard. She's so creepy, gives redheads everywhere a bad name or possibly a deserved reputation, yeah, but they've earned it. These two kids come out of nowhere with shotguns. I guess thinking they're toys and just ice out their two parents. Yeah, bam, bam. They drop dead and they giggle to each other and say, wow, they're so good at playing dead. And then the most delightful music I have ever heard in my life comes on. Yeah. It's, and the kids run off to go play in the bay. They do. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's so It's yeah. one so of beautiful. the greatest death scenes of all time. One of the yeah. greatest endings of all yes. time. It's, <laughs> it's so fun. And it's like, it's so crazy that there's so many times that I'll watch a slasher movie. Sometimes I'm watching them and I'm like, why is this not fun? This is a genre that should at fucking, you know, ground zero of the fucking film it's got to be a good time you got to have fun you got to like enjoy yourselves you're we're, we're here to watch a bunch of fucking people get get stabbed up in ridiculous ways and laugh about you know it. what i think why this one's so much better than a lot of them why is that not only are the kills just great but like you're not bogged down by plot you're 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 jumping there from isn't different, any exactly yeah. you're jumping from people to people and you're not getting bogged down by like we got to make 
these two characters likable, so you're scared of them. No, everybody's a shithead, and it's so much more fun to watch yeah. shitheads. You absolutely, know? absolutely. Like, yeah, you don't have a fucking final girl in this. You right. don't have, like, these other things that are such major tropes because all you have is a fucking whole cast of Freddy's and Jason's. You know, everybody's the fucking, is the killer. And it's like, it's awesome. <laughs> it's It's also hard to say, like, what kind of other than calling it a post giallo proto slasher it's like what do you even call this because most thrillers most detective thrillers there's a protagonist who either like every giallo movie yeah you definitely aren't calling this a, yeah. a thriller or a detective flick, well ev- you know? every giallo movie there's a protagonist who is forced into the role of amateur detective and they have to figure out who the killer is to keep from being murdered themselves and also to keep from being named usually to keep from being named as the main suspect by the police. So it's like they have all these motivate these personal motivations to solve the crime and they're the clear protagonist. I love there's not a single fucking cop in this movie. No. Or or like you see them in a car for a second, maybe. Maybe. But I don't even remember that. I don't remember seeing any fucking I I feel like maybe you don't, but it's also so different from slashers where, like you said, there's that final girl protagonist, the like one person who's left alive. Yeah, and the one who you don't want to see get killed. You know, it's like, oh no, not Shelly or whatever. But here there's yeah. no protagonist. Who's the protagonist? There, Nobody. there isn't. That's, what, that's what I the like. About Everybody's the garbage. Bay. Yeah, Bay is yeah. the protagonist. Yeah, nature wins. Yeah, it does. <laughs> So sick. It's such a wild pl- and it is a little bit not. I ke- I know I keep bringing her up, but it is a little bit like some of the Agatha Christie novels that don't focus on one of her like recurring detectives like Poirot or Miss Marple, where you have these characters who are introduced and you don't really know who anyone is and you find out like, oh, they're all terrible. And it just, it's like such a wild way to write a script where you just go from murder to murder to murder. And like, I'm looking (laughs) at the fucking beaming smile that John has. And it's like, yeah, like this is like a movie that was like made for you. Well, it's also, I don't think we said written by Dardano Sacchetti. Yes. Who wrote a bunch of movies with uh, Argeno. And I get they had some kind of like bitch fight. And right. Same thing with Fulci. He wrote a bunch of stuff with Fulci and they had a fight. But it, it is kind of Fulci-esque where it's just like, it's just vignettes. Don't worry about the plot. Yeah. You're just like, we're going to get one scene of butchery after the other. For sure, but it doesn't have the, the, the dreamy quality. Right, right. But it does have that kind of just like, it, it, oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking when I was watching it today was that this is a fucking hangout movie. You know, it feels like a summertime hangout slasher flick where you're just like, but it's not chill at all. No. I mean, it depends on... <laughs> the, the most slasher it gets is when it's with the four teenagers that just pop yeah. up. Like, the, they're, like, screwing around, you know? I, I was thinking about a scene when the entomologist character... Or it's early on in the film when he's hanging out with his wife, who's the uh, the fortune teller character. Laura Betty. And you can tell, like, they just kind of fucking hate each other, the way they're talking to each other. 
But like the whole scene, because like she has like this like crazy character sheet, like this crazy fucking, you know, role playing fucking build your character where she's like saying all this crazy mystical stuff. And like and he's like replying with this like entomologist, like attention to detail bug man shit. And it's just such a funny dynamic. But he's he's so unhinged. Like he has this. I thought she was unhinged, too. You could see how they ended up together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they can't get away from each other. It's like she seems to know she's unhinged. She just, like, drinks constantly, like, a lot for someone in a Jalo movie, which they all drink a lot, but... Oh, J&B. J&B. Wait, no, was... Who was drinking Fernet? She, was it her? She was drinking, like, giant glasses of yeah, Fernet. Yeah, she poured a mega pint of Fernet, and I was like, And Yo, drank the whole thing awesome. in one scene, but... Oh, I love that. So it's like, she's knowingly quirky, has all these tarot cards, talks about astrology, but... He, I think, doesn't realize how nuts he is. He's got this preserved beetle in a box named like Frederico or something. Fernando. Fernando. Yeah. And, and he always yeah. like, when he delivers lines of dialogue, instead of just saying like, oh, it was raining today, that was annoying. He's like, Fernando is not enjoying the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like the thing is though, you're just like hanging out with these fucking weirdos, you know, like when the fucking squid fisherman's doing his shit and he's just like making his like stern face no matter who he's talking to. It's like, yeah, this is great. Like, you know who everybody is within a minute of meeting them and they're all so colorful and it's just it's like, all right, we're just fucking vibing out with this wacko crew watching them all get toasted out one by one. Do you wonder who kills who sometimes? Sometimes I wonder like who 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 killed in the in the beginning. It's clear to me in the second half who's killing who because you see it happen and you at that point have gotten enough exposition and dialogue that it's like okay, these people are working together and this was their goal which has now sort of backfired and led right. to this chain reaction of murder. But in the beginning, who kills the husband? So the I think pretty it's pretty blonde secretary of the art director. I forget what, like, he's like a fashion he, yeah, designer or, or, or something. like a real estate developer. Yeah, he tells her to flirt with the husband of the countess. Yes. And convince him to kill the countess. And then he kills the husband. The real oh, estate guy kills I, okay. him. I, think I that's couldn't how it, tell if wow. the real estate guy killed the husband or if the the illegitimate son i think the illegitimate son kills the teenagers because he has yes but but i didn't understand why because she found the dead body when she got naked and went swimming so they had to keep that a secret so then those four all had to go yeah they come up with some real flimsy i love this about you guys (laughs) i really do like i love that i can watch a movie and i can turn to you at any time and say what's going on (laughs) Why are they killing each other? Like, it doesn't really matter, but I, yeah, we'll figure I, I, it out. I get the broad strokes of things, but, like, these, like, tiny little... Well, for me, like, I mean, if the movie had the, the tone of a giallo... Like, whenever I'm watching a giallo film, I I pay a little bit closer attention. Because I'm putting on my fucking Sherlock Holmes, you know... Yeah, those plots Hunter are pretty complicated. Hats, and I, I want to see... 
I want to see if I can figure it out. Like, who's the fucking killer? I'm, 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 I'm being a little detective. But when I'm watching a slasher movie, I'm there for the fucking the knife in the face and the titties. And then when they start doing the like, you know, what's the do? I'm like, I don't give a shit, you know. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I. It doesn't take away from my enjoyment that I'm I'm turning my brain off a little bit. That is the source of my enjoyment. And and when you're, it's great to turn your brain off a little bit when you're watching a movie from one of the greatest directors of all time because he's giving you permission to do that and it's just like you know you're turning your brain off in safe hands <laughs> i remember um martin scorsese writes the introduction to that huge jo- uh, mario bava book i oh, forget yeah. the name of it but he has this great thing he's like i he's like i love mario bava i've seen his movies he's like kill baby kill is probably my favorite one and just like the rest of his movies, if you ask me to explain what happens in Kill Baby Kill, uh, good luck. I don't remember. But the mood, the vibe, like everything, yeah. it's like it's like a dream. Like it, all, all of that comes back to me. Yeah. But like if you ask me how to like character A get to point B, I don't remember at all. You know, good yeah. luck. I think Kill Baby Kill now is actually my favorite baba film it's so beautiful i've only seen it once and that was last year on your birthday because every year you do the the baba marathon oh yeah and yeah i don't think we talked about that yet. no but seeing that like i for the longest time just assumed that kill baby kill wasn't even a horror movie that it wasn't even a gothic horror movie because with that title I thought it was going to be like faster pussycat kill kill or some kind of like girl gang fun 60s like sex pot. Which Baba would have done a great one of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did Dr. Goldfoot. Oh, yes. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Which Baba apparently did not enjoy making, but I love. Yeah. Uh, but but to think that I'm going to be getting some like Dr. Goldfoot girl bomb movie, but you're actually getting the greatest gothic horror film like, ever made. Why? It's I mean, I'm going to have to disagree. I think maybe Black Sunday is the greatest goth- Italian gothic horror film ever made. But I don't understand why this didn't get a better title. It's like Kill Baby Kill. The original title is Operazione Paura, which is like Operation Fear, which is no better. Yeah. It's like, why are these the two titles? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, those are cool titles for like a pulpy paperback book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or but some like scary. trashy flick. But like when you're getting the greatest movie of all time, that's that's a little, you're right. It doesn't quite link up, but that goes back to like why Bava is so approachable. Kill Baby Kill is the, the one Fulci riffs off the most, oh, I yeah. feel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That dream logic, yeah. twisted yeah. fucking world, that, and these horrifying images that and just this, like peppered isolated town with these like weird, oh, yeah. superstitious like locals. And dust and wind blowing yeah. around and shit. Oh, it's amazing. I it's mean, incredible. Don't torture a... If you watched a double feature of Kill Baby Kill and Don't Torture a Duckling, you would see so many themes in right. common even even gates of hell where like instead of like the dead oh, little girl yeah, you yeah. get the dead priest you shiver and shake quiver and quake when you see kill baby kill <laughs> we have to get help from someone you'll all be killed if you don't help each other but everyone is too paralyzed by fear to help so run, doctor, run. Run, girl, run. Before that someone, that something, 
that kill baby kill drives you to self-destruction keep your eye on the bouncing ball your ear on the mocking laughter and try not to shiver and shake quiver and quake when you see kill baby kill mario baba he is a point in time where like if if there was no mario baba it would be awful. You, you would you'd alter the timeline in a very in a, drastic way. Yeah. Such a drastic way. We wouldn't be fucking sitting here if there wasn't a Mario Bava, you know? it's He is so important that, I mean, it, you can't stress it enough. And, and also, like, how much fucking fun it is to watch any one of his movies. On your birthday marathons, one of the things that I think is so cool about them is that we don't, just watch the greatest Mario Bava movies, you know, because what you can do every fucking year and not repeat a year. There are still Mario Bava movies that like we haven't seen because there's he, he made. Well, some of them are hard to find. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And some where he's like co-directed, and he is like, like last year we watched an Aladdin movie. Yeah, the right? so Wonders of Aladdin, which is adorable. But yeah, I mean. It's it's like kind of a weird project that I started because growing up I you know didn't not have a very fun childhood and hated my birthday and by the time I got into I don't know my late 20s maybe that so I've been doing this for about 10 years now where I realized like okay I got to find a way to turn my birthday around right. and not have it be this day that like I hate and I'm trying to avoid. So I started this tradition totally by myself where I realized Baba and I have the same birthday and I'm just going to watch at least three or four Baba movies every year. Some years there was this one year where I went overboard and did a three day long Baba marathon. Wow. It was wild. That's a planetary conjunction if I ever heard of one. <laughs> it was, but like it's so much fun and whether I invite people or do it by myself, I have to start with Hercules in the Haunted World. Hell yeah. Every morning of my birthday, that is how I start it. Seeing Christopher Lee, it's like if you don't like those Peplum movies, you might not enjoy it, but it's also super gothic. It's set in hell. Christopher Lee plays the bad guy, and there's this incredible scene where Bava shows him reflected in a pool of blood. It's like there's some very clearly proto-Evil Dead stuff going yeah. on. It's wild. And one thing that you were saying earlier, Sam, about how you got your start in writing that oh, I, yeah. I kind of want to touch on because I first found out about you. Uh, well, we met at a bar, but uh, someone mentioned that you had a blog and I was like, oh, I'll check out a blog. I like movies. And it was like one of the, like the best film blogs I had ever, best film writing I'd ever read. And, and you were so like, you were like a Bava-esque workhorse. You put out a fucking essay every single day, another film review every day that like, it was something that I would, then I would get to do every day. Like, oh, I get to read the new fucking, you know, Sam Deegan film review today. You know, it was, it was awesome. And you were telling me earlier that you got your start because of Bava or rather you. Well, so, you know, a lot of people ask me like, how do you, 
like how did your career happen and how are you so prolific? And it's like, you just have to be super disciplined and do it every day. And when I first had my blog, I would write like an essay a month if I was lucky. And I realized like, okay, I'm miserable. I'm bored. I don't have anything going on. I'm going to take on this crazy writing project. And I think it was, it was in October uh, you know, probably 15 years ago at this point, I, I don't even know, a while ago. And I said, okay, I'm going to write a review of a Baba movie every day for the next two weeks to get me through to Halloween. And I thought to myself, like, surely that's impossible. I can't, I don't have that kind of discipline. And I did it. And then after that, I was like, all right, what's next? And yeah. then I just like did that. You got for, that fire in your belly. I did it for years until basically I started getting offered jobs, and you know now I have a career. God bless Mario Baba. Yeah. Baba baby. All right. Uh, what else uh, do we want to touch on? Any kind of fun goofball Baba stuff we can chat about? Didn't Christopher Lee walk out in the premiere of Bay of Blood because it was like the horrendous? It was too like, violent. Yes, he thought it was sickening. Which wow. is amazing Good because he was in two Bava movies. Uh, he's in Hercules and the Haunted World. He also has one of my favorite like gothic romantic sadomasochistic roles in the Whip in the Body, mm. which is. A movie that I think we should probably do an I've episode never seen on. It. I can't wait to oh, watch it. This is, October. This is the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, my my birthday. Well, Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. But also October. What's great is this October, all of the movies that we watched last year on your birthday that I was like, damn, these are fucking October flicks. Like Shock and Kill Baby Kill, of course. I'll do those this October, and we'll. I imagine we'll skip them this year. See them last year. Indeed we will. Oh, hell yeah. I'm so excited to watch more fucking Bava movies coming up. I mean, like, getting getting our beak wet with Bay of Blood is, is fucking is awesome. But hang on, real quick, before I start waxing poetic about how much I love watching movies with you guys, fucking the shit you were saying about Christopher Lee walking out of Bay of Blood and, and you know... Yeah, just he just said of, it was just, like, too violent. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I can see. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I'm... I love it when critics just can't handle slasher movies. And it's just like, it's the fucking hill they're ready to die on. They're like, this is yeah. trash garbage. I think it's so funny. I love it. It's I like, do too. And it's like, you know why? Because they're right. Every fucking criticism that they levy at films like Silent Night, Deadly Night, or like, you know, Friday the 13th Part 4, you know, whatever the <laughs> fuck. They, every, every fucking piece of mud they sling at these movies is a hundred percent right and it's why i fucking love them you know they're dirty they're nasty they're fucking mean they revel in in this excessive splatter fucking phantasmagoric grand guignol that fuck that's like that's why i love horror movies like i'm having a fucking beer i'm chilling it's a fucking nasty party and you're all invited and if you want to walk out halfway through with your fucking you know your chin up in the air and your pinky out and right. saying my word like thank as they, you as they you go just, to a restaurant and order a dead animal that yeah. got fucking slaughtered yeah you know? but the thing is though is they it, it makes it better for me knowing that there are people out there even people that i respect like christopher lee 
or the who's the fucking the critic ebert yeah 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 ebert like fucking when people like that fucking are shitting on these movies like it makes me like them more you know because bad taste is fun here comes some movies that aren't so funny because here's spot the wonder dog leaping into the balcony to help us pick out the week's worst movies the dogs of the week well my dog certainly isn't a laughing matter it's maniac a disgusting horror show that forced me out of the theater after only 30 minutes maniac is a repulsive story of a berserk killer in new york this is an extremely brutal film that thoroughly grossed me out and what sent me out of the theater so early was the scene where we see a head hit by a shotgun blast and it explodes in slow motion. That came after a couple of throat slashings and a vicious strangulation. Maniac is making its slimy way into theaters all around the country, so be on the lookout for it and avoid it. You know, sometimes that's a very valid reaction to just walk out on a film like that, even if you're a movie critic, because as a civilized person, there's no point in sitting there and watching yeah, that kind of stuff. there was no point at which the film was going to redeem itself after that. It was a real gross-out show. Sounds bad. Okay, so I have two things to say. The first one is super quick, which is... It always like grinds my gears a little bit when mainstream film critics talk about, you know, how aghast they are at, at these slasher movies being so trashy, but they give good reviews to this like Hollywood schmaltz that's so just offensively sentimental and poorly written. And it's like, yeah. okay, you like you give this four stars, but you can't hang with movies with violence. It's like, come on. But wait, the thing that I wanted to say which I totally forgot about until you just mentioned Friday the 13th. So a lot, as a lot of people I'm sure know, there are a lot of comments about how Friday the 13th rips off Bay of Blood. It directly copies at least two kill sequences. It has a similar setting. The second one, part two. Well, it, well, the first one rips off the fucking the, the couple yeah, the fucking Kev, the Kevin Bacon scene yeah. where they're impaled through no, the mattress. No, that's part two. No, Kevin, that's, no, Kevin Bacon gets the arrow in the neck while he's lying oh, by himself. Oh, that's part right. Two that's has right. You're right. Well, I was reading earlier that they that part one and part two each respectively ripped off a, a, kill. a, a kill shot for shot. Well, there's a there's a guy in part two in a wheelchair that gets a, a machete to yes. his face yeah i thought so the I couple fucking through the bed was the first no, one. no that's the second one okay okay it's been a while since i've seen him so i'll, I'll take your word oh uh, yo no joke though like the first friday the 13th is kind of tame and bay of blood is a lot like nastier yeah. more brutal oh absolutely but also the thing that i totally forgot about until re-watching this again today which to Charles's point earlier, it's like the kill scenes stick in your head, but sometimes the dialogue and the plot points don't. There's a scene at the end where in a flashback, the real estate developer and his mistress explain their plot to, you know, seduce the countess's husband and convince him to kill the countess so then they can take the land from him and yada, yada, yada. But he says flat out that it's all happening on on the 13th and yes. then 13 people get killed in the movie. I was like, how did I forget this obvious it's, detail? It's like the, the date of the journal entry that they use as her yes. suicide note. It's like February 13th. And they're like, on the 13th, we're going to set One, these murders in motion. Two, three. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how did I forget that shit? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. It's the legacy of Bay of Blood is felt throughout so many genres. But I mean, mostly it's the slasher genre for sure. That it it sets up what's to come and it already is fucking flipping it on its head. And it's just, it's so, it's so good. And that's coming from someone who doesn't love slasher movies. Like, I mean, I... <laughs> I, I do love slasher movies too. What am I saying? They're, they're, they're so fucking, much fun. They're yeah, great. come on. Do you I, like Jallos or slashers more? Oh, slashers for sure. I mean, Whoa. well, what, uh, oh, I, what about you? They're Jallos. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, I, I, I'm don't not to not to knock. Yeah, slashers. No, 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 no. You'll get there for sure. I I know that there's going to be a day. I I mean I think there's going to be a day in my future where I'll have a different answer to that question. Um, but right now when I. When I'm bored during a slasher movie, I know that I got about 10 more minutes before fucking I'm going to get what I need. But there are times where I'm bored during a Jalo movie where I'm just like fucking I'm like watching the clock and I'm You're like, right. all right, like, let's fucking find out who the killer is, because like I'm done with this hot lady and this like newspaper reporter just fucking a, talking in circles. A forever, dull Jalo you know? is worse than a dull slasher movie. True. But like when a Jalo hits it out of the park, it, it, it goes much further. Oh, yeah. Than a slasher yeah, 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 movie yeah. Can. I I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and to that point, I definitely have seen some people who are not big fans of slasher movies turning their nose up at how Friday the 13th just rips off Bay of Blood. and It's like, okay, first of all, everybody rips off Bava. If Argeno didn't rip off Bava, Jalo movies wouldn't exist. So, like, sit down. Yeah, he's he's made to be fucking ripped off. Like, he is... Well, he's, I mean, ideally... It would be a case of like what Argeno was doing, where he took these ideas and you know made his own thing with yeah. it. Yeah, and the fact that like like we were saying throughout this whole episode, because Bava has worked in every single genre, and in almost every single genre that he's worked in, he's fucking knocked it out of the park and made it so that way, if you want to make, you know, some fucking goofball flick with a bunch of fucking girls revving their engines or, or some something, Vikings and or, Cameron Mitchell. Exactly. Or yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can refer to Bava for anything. But like to go back to the ripoffs, like I don't think you can be a fan of expo- exploitation movies and not love ripoffs. True, yeah. you know, like no. all so of, many great all movies of are ripoffs. Italian exploitation is yeah, that's Cash part of what's rip-offs. delightful yeah. Yeah. about like, it. But, no one gives a fuck about Jaws two, three, and four. They care well, about well. Jaws. The Revenge. Jaws 4. Or Cruel Jaws. What Cruel, is it? No, Cruel. The Last Shark is the one I like. Or, oh, yeah, or Grizzly, yeah. which is just Jaws with a grizzly bear. Tentacles. You love to see it. But, like, at the same time, though, when, like, you get creative about it, it's not really... I don't even see them as, like, rip-offs. I see, like, you're all... It's all one big soup, and yeah. everybody kind of throws in their ingredients, and sometimes you might reach in and grab some of those ingredients and make yeah. your own part of the soup, and... Yeah. For sure, yeah. No, I, it's, it's fucking... We, we, we love it, folks. We fucking love it. It's Baba's birthday. Happy birthday, Mario Baba, and happy birthday, Sam Deegan. And yeah, happy, happy birthday. birthday to our podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too self-congratulatory here. I mean, we're just talking into fucking microphones, but yeah. No, it's been, it's been a good run we've had so far. To another year of Twitch of the Death Nerve and another year of uh, Mario Baba. Let's crack open a... A crack open some J&B. Crack open How a cold old was one he here. when he died? He wasn't that old. I want to say he was in, like in his 60s. 70s oh, when he died. I thought he, he was in his 60s. Oh, I'm sorry. He was 65. You're yeah, right. Yeah, that's... I mean, nowadays, that's young. 
Yeah, I think I think the the death rate is starting to roll back a yeah, little bit. Yeah, that's true. We're dying that's a little true. younger nowadays, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace to uh, who just died? Uh, Ivanka Trump. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Shinzo Abe. Oh my God! The, oh my God! Shinzo Abe. The, the, the Trump family in a casino, Bay of Blood. Where it's like oh, yeah. fucking like Every Eric single- stabbing Tiffany. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and obviously it ends with fucking young Baron <laughs> shooting Donald. fucking Don in the face. <laughs> and then running off into the uh, Atlantic Ocean yeah. outside of Atlantic City. His fucking, fucking weird fucking- Slender Man looking thing yeah. swimming out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fucking Baron Trump's uh, Secret like- Service <laughs> escort is Slender Man. He just follows him around uh, all the fucking No, time. I mean, like, Baron's like seven foot tall. He's weird. Weird looking, like he's like he looks like Slender Man. Really? No, he's, he's like seven foot tall. Wow, did he have a growth spurt? I haven't seen the kid since some fucking like. I mean, Donald's pretty since tall he too. He got bullied. Wow, yeah. How about Allegedly. That? I don't know. I, I wouldn't boy. He's a kid. He has. He doesn't know he's part of that. Yeah, yeah. Dynasty. Get, wait till he turns eighteen, yeah. and then wait until he gets on Twitter and starts kid. acting like a moron. Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah. Him and Elon are gonna like be best friends, and oh, that's awesome. Ugh. Or Elon's kid, U571, the oh. Widowmaker. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, his kid has like that. Oh, oh man. You know what episode we're not going to do, but we're never going to cover on this show? Nothing that takes place in a submarine. Every single movie that takes place in a submarine is a boring piece of shit. You heard it here first. Fucking Das Boot, no thank you. U571. Uh, Hunt for Red October. A- I've never awesome. seen that. I've always wanted shit. to. It does this amazing thing where in the first 30 seconds of the movie, everyone's speaking Russian because they're in a Soviet submarine. Right. And as the credit sequence ends... It's like they flipped the overdubbing switch and all of a sudden everyone switches to English and all of the main cast members, it's like Sam Neill and all like all of these like Tim Curry, Sean Connery, of course, plays the the Soviet. Like he's the baddie, right? Well, he's def- he's trying to defect. OK. And the Navy doesn't realize that this so- the Soviet submarine it's like behaving strangely and coming into U.S. waters, and it's like, do we blow it out of the water, or do we, do we trust that they're gonna do the right thing? And that's the whole fucking stupid. Oh plot. my god! But I just got done saying we're never gonna cover a fucking submarine movie. What I'm are you sorry, doing over you here? talked about Donald Trump on my Mario Baba episode, so <laughs> deal with it. For I one think that second. was my. I think that was my. But but my they do. The, the reason you should watch it is everyone speaks all of the British and you know scottish actors playing soviets all have wildly different accents and it is so funny to me i that, love that i love yes. that when everyone's just doing their own fucking thing and no one is like a director enough to say like oh but maybe I, we should well i think i think nah, tim i think tim curry speaks with a russian accent and no one else do- bothers nice yeah well tim curry is <laughs> a know, real fucking if actor. i made a movie like that i would tell him don't even bother don't like because when i watch a movie like that where like oh they're supposed to be speaking another language it's just like it's being translated to me yeah you know so yeah. i can watch it if i was making a movie like that i would say like hey listen you can look at the camera anytime you want because something <laughs> needs to happen that's actually kind of interesting on this boring ass submarine there's got to be one good submarine movie i feel like there is yes listeners 
If you oh if you know of a submarine movie, yeah, that's it's just... DM John directly. Oh. Okay, there was one. I seen one with um, I think it was like Jude Law. It came out like a few years ago. No. It was like a heist movie. No, where there's a submarine filled with Nazi gold, and these guys All like right. had to All like. Right. No, Get you're making this up. I'm not making this up. You are literally up. making this up. I'm not you're making this up. You are gaslighting us about it, a fucking movie like, that doesn't it's exist. It's like six or seven years old. It's one of those like small movies that just came out of... Like when I saw it, I was the only person in the theater. And like, yeah, they're trying to steal Nazi gold from a submarine. You're thinking turns, of Water Captain it. in the World of Yesterday. Uh, a movie Keep that talking. I'm is... I'm going to find the title of this movie. A movie that seems like it's set on a submarine, but it's really just like a research vessel is plankton which we definitely need oh, to know. that's not yes. a submarine movie at all that's a great fucking film it's so plankton good. is Hell amazing yeah. creatures from the abyss black sea black 2014 sea. i i already swore a suicide pact just to myself that i'll never watch another uh submarine movie what submarine movie three over the edge everyone that i've seen oh, okay i mean das boot U571, K19, The Widowmaker. Uh, remember that one, the horror one, Below? No. I, I remember the cover. I remember yeah. It was like bubble. Okay. No can, all right. Why are we talking? How did we get? Yeah. I don't fucking what? know. Sorry. I was yeah. trying what to bring it back. What are you guys doing? I was trying to bring it back. This is Baba's day. Okay. Baba didn't make any submarine movies. Sorry. I was, oh, my God. That I know Baba of. movie with submarine miniatures. and Yeah. Mm. Them coming across some like big octopus monster. We deserve more Baba movies. Yeah, well, thankfully, there's a fucking million more to watch. I mean, I haven't seen so many. I've barely scratched the surface, and I've... I haven't seen his westerns. We watched oh, one last like year. Them. Didn't They're we watch um, uh, Roy Colt and Winchester Jack? Is that the year? only western? I feel like there was like there's, one more. And I think there's one more, yeah. No, and there's also like Knives of the Avengers. Which I've seen that with Cameron Mitchell. Yeah, it's like it has some western vibes, but it's more of like a, a adventure a movie. Brothers. Yes. Sorry, the joking about the subs and Trump. I was thinking that I was going to have the outro music playing over that, and that was going to be. Good. Oh, we just got into it, though. But we got into it. Um, how do you want to close close us out? Yeah, do we got any shout outs? Any shout outs? Oh yeah, you know what? Absolutely. This is our fucking one year anniversary, and there are so many people that have been so supportive for us over the last year that I I want to I want to shout out. Just on the top of my head, uh, Fishtown Films and their podcast, Stumble Upon Movies. Great friends of ours who have reached out and have just become great friends. Uh, also, of course, Unsung Horrors. We we love Erica and Lance so much and everything that that they do, especially when we have to stay at their house for you know a week or so at a time, or in John's case, for months. Half his life. <laughs> Half his life. Uh how about you guys anymore? I, I know I got a million, but... Uh... Honestly, just thank you to everybody because my Patreon now is also a little over a year old. And thank you to all the people who, you know, comment and write in regularly and have great feedback and are all really excited about the show and everybody who's joined the discord. Like, I feel yeah. like within a no, year... It's, it's so fucking cool. Yeah. It's so awesome. And John, you're not going to believe this shit. I don't know who it is. Someone that reached out to Sam, uh, a friend of the show, friend of Sam's, has not listened to our X-Fest episode because they're recreating the entire marathon at home. Oh, wow. And they're watching all of the movies in a row. And it's just like, like that kind of shit is like so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, 
I love watching movies with my friends and I feel like I've only ever watched them with like two of my friends and I'm looking at them right now but like now it just it feels like I got so many friends and we're all watching the same fucking movies together and we're all fuck it's just it's so nice to everybody listen to the show like we fucking love you so much like it's yeah, we need to figure out how to stream some marathons so we can actually watch yeah. movies together. Or fucking, you know, rent a movie theater for a night or something and just, like, fucking play movies all night somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, something like that would be awesome. That would be the dream. We should rent a, a VFW and, and play nom flicks and cheer on the VC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how that goes. That's what we got to fucking Hand do. out some Ho Chi Minh pamphlets. Yeah. Oh, man. What was I thinking about doing? Oh, uh, if I, I had this psycho idea that if I owned a movie theater and we were playing the new Top Gun, that I would put a... Uh, like a join the army desk up and I would sit behind it in army fatigues and I would just be like, come on down here, son. You want to throw your life away? And like, and just like say all this fucked up shit. Like you want to go die in another country here? Come on, <laughs> sign up. <laughs> and then Sam was like, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. I, th- I think that's Impersonating a, a member offense. of the armed forces. Pretty sure it's a federal offense. Uh, I don't know. Stealing valor is cool. We, sh- we should all be doing it. Everyone should not join the army just pretend to. Yeah, get those discounts. That's what you got. 10% off. Yeah, you get cheaper movie tickets. Yeah. Who doesn't want that? All right. See you later, everybody. Should splice in that picture of Jane Fonda on the anti-aircraft gun when Tom Cruise gets shot down. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the the, the picture for our Mario Papa episode. (laughs) All right. Good night. Night. Bye.